1: Body. It is Zoe George here, joining you at 12 o'clock on 7 to 9 a.m. I'm joined with my lovely mother, Solilana George.
0: <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone, and um, welcome to Show Me. And I'm sure you're all shocked. We're standing in for Vuyokazi Matu, who is unable to be here right now. So it's so great to be in the studio with you, Zoe.
1: Yes, it is lovely. I'm so excited for the show we're about to have. If you are listening to us and you have... No idea who we are. We are actually presenters on the station as well. I am on Mondays, 729 on 180 degrees.
0: And I am on on Wednesdays. For everyday living, and also on Monday morning, early in the morning, to pray with you on throne room.
1: Now, don't worry, guys, we sound (laughs) a little bit different, and we're not exactly who you were expecting. We are still going to be talking about culture. Yes, we are. In this show, we're going to be talking about some of the cultural differences between two very, very different generations. I'm going to be bringing my input, my views, representing my generation, you know gen x millennials <laughs> and then my mom will be bringing an older generation and as a young person i believe that we can learn from both sides we both have so much to learn from each other and yeah this is a very exciting conversation if you would like to contribute to this conversation or whatsapp us and give us your inputs as well you can do so at o. Eight one seven two nine one six five seven. we will also later on be going live on facebook so you can check us out on our facebook page 729 cops of console slash 729 cape pulpit you guys don't want to miss this now for now let's just listen to this fantastic song called destined for greatness by christelle webb so before the break, we will listen to Destined for Greatness by Crystal Webb, which is a local song because local is lacquer here. At yes. Cape Pulpit, and we do like to show off the local talent. Yes. Now, if you just tuned in and you're a little bit confused as to who you're listening to, because ordinarily you would be listening to Wuyukazi Matu on Show Me you unfortunately will not be listening to that today for the no. next hour it'll be me <laughs> zoe george and my mother joining you up until 1 p.m we're going to be talking about some cultural differences between two generations the generations we belong to and you guys don't want to miss this one if you would like you can check us out because we are currently live on facebook you can check us out on our facebook page 729 a.m 729 cops of council and we will be there yeah if you guys want to send us any messages and participate in the conversation we would encourage you to do so you can send us a whatsapp at 081-729-1657 now let's just get on right into this i'm really excited yes the first topic we're going to talk about something i find very interesting and i think you might have quite a bit to add to this as well as an older more learned person mommy (laughs) is the differences on how our generations perceive culture i feel like in the younger generation we have maybe abandoned our more traditional beliefs you know in place for a more westernized worldview. We've gotten such a great influence from many Western countries, namely America. (laughs) (laughs) Every other young person wants to emulate African-American culture specifically. And I can't really blame them because it looks cool, you know. Yes. But I don't know. I don't know if this is the right decision for us as Africans, you know.
0: You know, actually, Zoe, the truth of the matter is this, that we parents have, I think we've not done our jobs very well because we I know that culture is always changing but also we have to realize that we have to pass on the traditions yes. over to the next generation our parents passed the traditions over to us and it's unfortunate because many african uh, cultures not just south africa south african african c- culture has been quite good at Transmitting the language and the culture to the next generation. But you'll find that in places like Nigeria, where we mm. come from, you have Nigerian children. Even living in Nigeria, growing up, not able to speak the language, Mm -hmm. not really understanding or appreciating the culture. Mm -hmm. But yet you find people, Chinese people, you find uh, Caucasian people coming in from outside the country to come and learn about Nigerian culture, wearing Nigerian clothes, marrying Nigerian people. Mm -hmm. In fact, many collaborations are being done now with Nigerian people and African cultures all over the place. Africa has a rich culture to showcase to the world. And we haven't done a very good job in transmitting that.
1: Mm, No, I really second you there. (laughs) Especially when it comes to, I don't know, I feel like it's almost because it's interesting to us as young people. Like we think that it is the superior culture, but I'm not one such person who believes that any culture is better than the other. I think it's very important to know about your history and where you come from, know why things are done. But I also think there is value in learning from other cultures. Why do you think that the older generation has really struggled to transmit our culture to you know the younger generation?
0: You see, <clears throat> one of the reasons is because um, the older generation have somehow associated a lot of things in the African culture with... Um, with a demonic worship or something like that Mm -hmm. and there is that in quite a bit of our culture but also we also have rich heritage which is clean and which is Mm. there's there's nothing wrong with it there's absolutely nothing wrong with you know the things that we do in our culture in fact there's a lot of things to be learned we we have a culture of respect we have a culture of color we have colorful history but many schools don't teach history from the African point of view. So we don't know the rich heritage that we come from. And that's the reason why I know funny enough, I'm not trying to advertise, but I have some little package where I say that people should spend this Christmas, especially people of the African culture, to showcase their culture, which is why even though we've lived in South Africa for so long, we we started something in church a couple of years ago, Heritage Day, where you had to wear your traditional clothes to church to celebrate heritage day you had to we had to cook it's only because of the covid the last (laughs) covid two you know two years of covid but you had to eat food from your traditional culture so if you were congolese you had to bring congolese food if you're tanzanian you had to bring tanzanian food and that was also a way to like try and show people that look our culture there's nothing superior none is superior to the other we are just different Mm. and difference is God's way of being generous to the world because we showcase different aspects of God's beauty and God's riches.
1: So true and I think that's one of the beautiful things about the internet culture because I remember when I matriculated Mm -hmm. I actually kind of started reading you remember this I started reading a whole bunch of books by Nigerian authors when I read Things Fall Apart and, you know, Half of the Yellow Sun. And then when my first year of university, one of my favorite modules was actually a module on African philosophy, which was exclusively just... African philosophers, and I had to write essays and read theirs, and it yeah. was just—it was a very interesting experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I honestly wish I <laughs> had to do more modules like that. <laughs> but, I remember whenever yeah. I would travel
0: to Nigeria, I would show yes. up with a stack of Nigerian movies. Yes, I remember, that. and you know, it was so interesting. When your brother was graduating from varsity, he insisted on wearing the full. Yoruba regalia and it was so nice to go yeah. to his graduation and there were people in their Zulu regalia there yes. were people in their Yoruba regalia and it was so
1: nice, it was really nice it really was, oh my goodness I, I'm i just taken back to those days, it's it's amazing I'm just glad that in this day of the internet culture we can still like find out more yeah. about our culture Yeah. not just from our parents and neighbours but also we can see what someone else has written about it or read an essay which has been happening for some time now, but it's just so much more accessible with the internet. Yeah. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about maybe our differing views on church and how church life is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I found that a lot of young people, like, as you know, one of my co-hosts on 180 Degrees, actually two of them over the past three years, have actually been as pastors, in yeah. the Nghia Afrikaans Church and with them being young and still loving the church and ministry, they often tell me about new ways in which they modernize the church and I also have some friends who are studying theology, not at the Nghia Church and they also tell me of other ways, they want to modernize church make it more fun, make it more interesting so that young people want to, you know, stick around but there is also this argument that all the things that we do are a bit performative and they don't really mean much to the church. And then all, at the end of the day, after you have, you know, done all the fireworks, and <laughs> all the different songs and electric guitars and turned your worship leaders into rock stars, what does it mean at the end of the day? Is it even important? Does it have any substance? Well, you see... <laughs>
0: This is a very tricky question because I'm a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I understand how it is, you know, for the older generation. But you see, one of the things as a pastor, one of the things that we have to embrace as pastors is change. Yes. We have to embrace change. And we also have to understand, you see, there are many traditional churches where mm-hmm. they don't allow The youth to fully express themselves. Mm -hmm. So, at the first opportunity, the youth split. (laughs) As soon as they're old enough to stop coming to church, they stop, and no one can. You know, sometimes they wander out into the world, and some of them lose their faith eventually. But you see, what I'm finding is that we, as the older generation, have to understand that we have to engage the youth. We have to speak the language of the youth to them. And what interests youth the most is the arts. Yes, They like to play music. They like to dance. They like to act. They like to do dance things. And even though it's uncomfortable for the older <laughs> <laughs> generation, the, the much older the generation older than I am, we also have to realize that we can't speak, you know, to them the way you would speak to to a, a 70-year-old person. You have to speak different languages and to keep the youth engaged in church. I'm happy to say that in, you know, like in our church, we had a very vibrant youth program until all the youth began to grow up and find their own ways. You know, we had, we always had all these dance dramas that we put together for different things. Although now there's not very much going on there. Mm -hmm. You know, but But also COVID has really restricted us. Oh yes, it's it's really restricted us very badly. But you see, what has happened is that many churches, churches that are smart, will have to create opportunities without losing the integrity of God's word. You understand? We, without losing the integrity. That's why you find many people who are like singers today, or actors, and they usually started out in the church. Yeah. But we have to find a way to instill both the faith of our fathers, mm-hmm. but in an uncompromised way yes. in a way that is acceptable to the younger generation so allow them to do things like have dance dramas based on the word uh, you know have like acting shows and from there you could be shocked at how many talents you will breed out of your church group out of the youth mm-hmm. so we have to close that generation really we have to step off our high horse and allow the children to express themselves in the way they understand
1: yes no i actually really agree with that it's like i see for example in some churches they will have their and even in our church we had this as well wherein the youth would often sing yes you know, and they sang say. some good songs they sang they. very good songs. yeah and there are quite a few modern artists now who are making very hip happening songs for you know christian youth that aren't They're not all bad you know. They're not all terrible And some of them aren't too different Like you won't listen to them and wonder "Ah." (laughs) What's going on here (laughs) (laughs) They've they've really got a very nice balance Where you can actually enjoy them And not worry about (laughs) What someone else is going to think (laughs) If they hear you listening to such a song So I think it's beautiful It can be very difficult to find that balance Do you have any advice for anyone out there who is trying very hard to find that balance, but may not be able to? Um, who are, who are you wanting me to advise? Now the pastor, the parents, or the youth? <laughs> I would say the pastors actually.
0: Well, for the pastors, especially the pastors of the more cultural churches, yes, we have to understand that we have to speak the preach the gospel in and without compromising the message. In any way necessary in any way you understand. Now if you had a five-year-old and you had a 10-year-old and you had a 15-year-old. And you had a 30-year-old and you had a 60-year-old. You would speak to them at different levels. So you have to realize that you have to speak the word of God to the five-year-old. In the way the five-year-old will understand. You have to speak the word of God to the 10-year-old. In the way the 10-year-old would understand. And you have to speak the word to the 30-year-old, the way the 30-year-old will understand. Now, a 15-year-old will not sit down and listen to theological (laughs) (laughs) exegesis and all sorts of analysis on (laughs) the gospel according to Peter and, Mm -hmm. you know, the end-time eschatology. They would not understand a word of what you're saying. So you have to present the gospel to them. In a way, they're good singers out there. Remember the youth sang in church one time the planet shakers song yeah. and that was nice you know they, they, i i can still remember the song up till now you know <laughs> it was really good and they would you know the little bitty ones too would sing some songs for yeah. carol service and things like that but yeah. everybody felt included in church so pastors should structure pro- programs that allow everyone to feel included in church because The children are coming up against a lot of entertainment out there which is not necessarily godly which might expose them to a lot of things that they they don't want to be exposed to. So let them have something that meets that need Mm. in church as well. So allow them to sing songs by Chandler Moore. Mm -hmm. Those are good songs. Allow, Allow them to sing songs by Planet Shakers. Allow them to sing some of the Kirk Franklin songs if they are able to. You know yeah. allow them there are songs like that that they could sing there are dance dramas they could have allow them to do that allow them to put a presentation together you'll be shocked at what you'll come up with
1: yes it's very true the youth are very inspiring mm-hmm. all the things that they are able to do and they have fresh ideas Yeah, such a zest for life yeah that when they are able to Participate in these things. You're right, they really do surprise you. Yeah. We have one more talking point before we go on to a brief break and listen to a song, and we're just going to discuss the difference in views in the ways that our generations view mental health. <laughs> now, I'm very fortunate that my mother is a very forward thinking woman who's actually studying psychology. So she definitely <laughs> believes that <in> mental health <laughs> exists. <laughs> I can't say that's the same. For many people. But yes, I feel that the youth has made a lot of strides in accepting mental health and looking after their mental health in finding ways to make sure not only acknowledging it, which means they can treat it mm. and help other people who may not know what's happening, but also educating the people around them and trying maybe not always successfully to educate maybe their parents on mm. the way they react. And I think that's a good thing. Why do you think that most older generations often struggle with that concept <laughs> that someone is actually suffering from mental health and it's a real thing that needs to be acknowledged? You know, it's because we don't think it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> we oh think
0: ment- many older generation people, they come from, st- they have sterner backbones. Yeah. They faced harder challenges and they can't really relate to a child who seems to have everything going for them that they didn't have now whining about mental health they yeah. don't really understand it mm-hmm. and I think over the years they feel as though the youth have become very soft yes the, the, the youth has become very soft but that doesn't mean that mental health isn't a real thing. Yes. Depression is real. And you can tell that from the escalating numbers in suicides. You can tell that in the escalating numbers in depression, people are more depressed because people are more lonely mm-hmm. than they used to be. People, you know, you we're you we communicating on social media with people thousands of kilometers away. Mm-hmm. But we hardly ever get to communicate with the person sitting right next to you in your house. Yeah. So you're you're in the middle of people but you're still isolated somewhat yeah. you know most of the youth they've developed even the older generation are developing a very uh tight bond with their cell phones and their devices yeah. over and above normal people mm-hmm. now i was talking you know funny enough i was having this conversation <laughs> with my friend <laughs> a very old friend of mine we've been friends for over four decades and uh I was talking to her about some of her parenting situation with her child and she's like Tolu I don't understand all this nonsense (laughs) 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 that none of our parents sat down to sit down and have all these silly discussions with us why do we have to do it and I told her I said look remember when we were growing up we had our uncles we had our aunties we didn't have phones we had to talk to each other. The TV came on at 4 o'clock and went off at like 10. (laughs) That sounds (laughs) sounds depressing there, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we had to be friends. All our cousins, we all lived together. We all traveled home together for Christmas. So our cousins were our friends. And then we went to boarding school and then we got new friends. And then... Our friend we talked to our friends and we, we talked to our parents and our aunties. I know back in the day if you went to whine to your mom and they'll say and tell them, Oh mommy, this is what happens and say, Oh, sit down there, something worse happened to your neighbor down the road. <laughs> and I find myself doing that with you sometimes, you know, that oh you're crying. Let me tell you a worse story. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> but now you don't have those outlets where you can sit down parents are not really befriending their children anymore their children are befriending other people so we are, our connections are slowly slowly being uh reduced doing. they're dwindling and because they're dwindling we're now susceptible to more we have less people to talk to we have less people to offload our burdens to we have less people to connect with, so we're isolated. So we now have to deal with our internal affairs. So I think we have to acknowledge the fact that families have to bond intentionally. Yeah. And this Christmas is an excellent opportunity where we—I don't know—maybe we're going into lockdown. I'm not sure, but Christmas doesn't have to be a, a waste of time. You understand? You don't have to sit down depressed. You can sit down and discuss your family history. You can call, Zoom call one of your cousins or a couple of your cousins and have a rowdy reunion online or something. Or you can talk about the struggles you had. Communicate internally this Christmas.
1: Yes, my goodness, that is some fantastic advice. We're actually going to revisit this conversation. <laughs> but now let's just take a little bit of a short break and listen to Only You Are Holy by Donnie McClurkin. And then we'll be right on back
0: you're listening to show me on Radio K pulpit 729 a.m
1: So we just listened to only you are Holy by Donny McClurkin and we took a short break if you just tuned in to 729 a.m it is currently half past 12 and you are expecting to hear Leo Kamatus on show me. We can't blame you. (laughs) Unfortunately for now, you are joined by me, Zoe George, and my mother, Pastor Tolulola, and we are discussing some differences in culture, African culture specifically. We are both Nigerians across two very different generations. I'm representing my younger Gen Z, millennial, whatever you'd like to call it, generation. And my mom is representing an older, more well-versed and knowledgeable generation. (laughs) Before the break, we were actually discussing mental health, but we took a slight break, but we're back to continue that conversation. We'd said quite a bit, and I, I actually wanted to add something that I feel like one of the reasons why the older generation may not understand i'm using air quotes if you're on our facebook live you'll see that but if you aren't and you'd like to join us on facebook live you can just check out our facebook page 79 capsule console slash 79 cape pulpit and we are live once again but yes one of the reasons i feel that the older generation may not understand us per se is because like you said and you've said several times already that this generation is very different. like every generation really changes. Uh-huh. and I feel like life is so much more. I have no idea honestly what life was like before I was alive. I've read about it quite <laughs> a bit. <laughs> I've read about it quite a bit, but experientially I don't have anything <laughs> to you know offer. but I imagine that life was very different. Um, even the way we handle things, perhaps this generation is a bit softer. I will, I hate to turn on my generation, but I do think we can be quite <laughs> putty. <laughs> we can be very soft. So I think the difference, and also the fact that we are more knowledgeable about mental health, we have names for these things. I feel like back in the day, there wasn't necessarily always a word for someone who was suffering from bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety and they didn't really get the representation that they needed until now I'm very proud of this the time we live in when more people are talking about it and more people can seek help so I think that plays a very a very big role Mm -hmm. in how we are able to relate to each other not obviously all people are like this but generalizing this is how it tends to be You know,
0: one of the things I agree with you there, Zoe, that um, we have words for these things. But you see, you know, I talk a lot about parenting and uh, that colors a lot of the things that I'm going to say. And one of the things that I try to do is um, I want to I want to uh, emphasize the fact that we parents have to pass on a steely uh, backbone to our children. We have to pass on that resolve. We have to pass on that commitment to excellence. We have to pass on that commitment to self-improvement to our children. And it starts off with not allowing them to get away with bad behavior all willy-nilly. Because what happens is when people get used to developing all over the place, doing anything they want, it's not a very satisfying life because freedom is usually associated with responsibility you understand so one of the things that i want to do is like every family most families go through hard times our family inclusive we've gone through hard times but one of the things that we try to do to minimize the impact on our family is we discussed it yeah your dad and i would always come and tell you that look You and your brother at the time and your older sister would tell you things like, look, this is what is happening. This is what is happening. And we have to adjust downwards. Mm -hmm. And you didn't always understand it at the time, but you got it. You understand. So you didn't feel those extreme highs and lows that came with difficulty. And I remember even sometimes when... The, any of you, any three of you, would come up to me and say things like, "You know, you're you're struggling in some area or the other." Or the other, I would do what my mother did with me, and we'd either turn it into a very big joke. <laughs> You'd come crying and then at the end of the day, you'd be laughing. I I remember one time you came and said something and you said, oh, I want, you were anxious about something. I said, they can't bring out a (laughs) stick and start hitting you. (laughs) The worst they will say is no, (laughs) you know. And that sort of like calms the anxiety down. You didn't feel so anxious about it anymore, you know. And I remember sometimes when you'd hit certain areas, even your older sister who is almost she's quite you know she's about 30 something and when she comes to the house when whenever she gets into touch she just drives up to the house mommy and daddy this is and we'll tell her i said look at least you know we'll tell her something she'll laugh it wouldn't seem so serious she'll feel stronger so i think that's one of the ways we can help you to cope with the mental health issues because it's one thing to have mental health issues mm-hmm. it's another thing to seek treatment yes
1: that's very but true. it's
0: a totally different thing to deal with what is causing these issues. So so it's a true. totally different thing to deal with the internal dialogue you're having with yourself mm-hmm. when you remove you know i remember i'll tell you this story <laughs> i remember in 2008 when the xenophobic uh, attacks broke out and yeah. we had never experienced it and I was freaking out. I think your daddy was out of the country and I was at home alone with just you guys. And my mom called, your granny called. And I was like, mommy, they're burning things down, blah, blah. And, you know, and I'm thinking of bringing the children home. And she was like, why? <laughs> so why? <laughs> yeah. And in that, that like kind of like stopped me in my tracks, and like, really, why? <laughs> why would I splash out money for tickets <laughs> <Very> true. <laughs> and uproot everyone over nothing? And everything comes. And so we—that—that's how we, the older generation, can break the impact of all these things that is giving you grief.
1: Yes, very true. I think this is very wise because it's very difficult to struggle alone, and yeah, when we have the support of you know the older generation who knows more about these things and how to deal with things and how to really acknowledge that you need to work on yourself (laughs) and you can't just you know medicate everything away you actually have to put in the hard work to get over what it is like actually deal with it yeah i think that's very important yeah and it's very interesting that you mentioned the um, xenophobic attacks because that actually kind of coincides with what we wanted to talk about next about mm. what it is like as i mentioned before and if anyone who doesn't know already we are not south africans actually we are originally nigerians and we've yeah. been living in south africa since 2002 three 2003 yes wow 2003 yeah oh. <laughs> I've told a lot of March, people the incorrect. <laughs> March the seventh, two
0: thousand and three, we entered wow. this country.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my. And you were
0: all of three.
1: Yes. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> but yes, I wanted us to talk about what it is like to live in this country, not being of this country. Obviously, for me and Jason, I imagine we may have adapted to the culture a bit more because we were much younger than you and my dad were. I mean, you guys were like established adults (laughs) and Jason and I were infants. (laughs) So we really grew up here and like established ourselves within the culture, accepted it, grew up in it, we understand it, but we also still understand our native Nigerian culture because you and dad really educated us in the ways that you could by also providing us with Nigerian friends, telling us about Nigeria, giving us some cultural you know, clues. And then <laughs> we went back in 2013 and it was a lovely experience to really see where we're from. Also, I don't know about Jason as much, but we have really acquainted ourselves with Nigerian media, you know, yes. books and songs and stuff. So I think that's really good. I would say at times it can be interesting because oftentimes... You know, you're faced with this question of, oh my, where are you from? And I am Nigerian and I always tell people I'm Nigerian and I will always continue to do so. But because I have this accent and I'm so Cape Capetonian, a lot of people often I find try to Strip me of that. (laughs) And I'm like, where do you even get the authority to do that? Like, I once had an Uber driver tell me that I wasn't Nigerian enough. Like, this man was Nigerian himself. (laughs) He was like, I have three Nigerian friends. So I I know Nigerian culture. I was like, really? Is that so? (laughs) Okay, sir. So I would want to ask if you have any of those experiences, but obviously, I feel like your identity is more rooted.
0: Though. Nobody would think I was Nigerian
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody there. Even if you saw me in the studio now, you would know Nigeria yeah, <laughs> You dressed out. In you would know African <laughs> attire right now. But
0: you see, let me tell you something. Um, I'll tell you because there was a difference in the culture for me when I first came. Because back in Nigeria, you don't call people by their names. by their names if they're older than you. And I remember when we first came and your sister, your older sister would invite her friends and her friends would sit in the lounge and I would like give her the I tell your friends to clear out of my lounge because you didn't sit in the lounge with your parents
1: yeah,
0: and your, your friends and your parents. You went outside or something. You understand? So there was a bit of a cultural difference. And the South African culture is somewhat different a little bit to the West African culture it's different and one of the things that I would always advise people is I always say to people that you, if especially if you're going into someone else's culture it is your responsibility to learn about the culture as quickly as you can that is your responsibility because you're the one who's the outsider, you don't have to bend the other people's culture to yours, Yeah. It's if they're coming into your culture. Like if someone was coming to marry your brother Jason, then she'll have to understand the culture a bit more. Your, your dad and I are not traditional yeah, people that's like that. True. You know, we're not. We're not going to breathe down your neck. But if you're going to be happy, fully happy, a woman who's marrying into another culture, it's always better to understand where you're marrying into, so that you understand how to deal with it, the challenges that come up with it. You understand and. Before you can change, I always say before you can change the protocol wherever you are, understand how the culture works. It doesn't only work in like culture of countries. It also works with office culture, organizational yes, culture. Yes, so
1: true actually. You
0: don't go there and you, you take your ideas. Go and understand why they are like that. And then you can see if you can influence it for the better or adapt it because it's better than what where you're coming from. Yeah. So it was a bit different. But we learned quickly. We learned as quickly as we could. And we tried to maintain our identity, but we were also trying our best to be respectful of the culture in which we chose to live in. And one of the things that I always drummed into your heads was you are a good person is a good person. An ill-mannered person is an ill-mannered person. And in every culture competence always makes you stand out when you are highly competent then everybody becomes colorblind when dealing with you so if you're well behaved you're competent and good at what you do it doesn't matter if you're black white green yellow nigerian somalian you will earn the respect so the most important thing is be respectful of other people's culture learn about their culture that's part of respect and then be competent, be good at what you do. Be honest at what you do. Be exceptional at what you do. And then everybody sees then everyone is trying to claim you yeah into their culture. You're trying to say, but
1: you know he visited this country once. <laughs> time, <so> yes. Honorarily. <laughs> yes. And this leads into the last talking point we have because we are it's quarter to one. We are almost at the end of the show, which Amazing. is crazy. The time has really just flown by. And I think it really connects both in something we've both with something we spoke about in the beginning of the show and with what we just spoke about now and how Western culture has mm. really influenced our African culture. And do you think it has done so for the better or for the worse? You know? There are different
0: ways of looking at it. And it has improved our culture in a way. Because our children are more adventurous,
1: yes, very true. than
0: the African children. You know that you know our children are very adventurous. They they don't see limits where we used to see limits. Yes, yeah, the style very true actually.
1: Very yeah, true. The sky is the limit.
0: The sky is the limit. Now our children are doing things that we didn't even know existed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. You know, yeah. but we also should teach our children. Our culture, we should never be ashamed of our culture.
1: Never.
0: never be ashamed of our culture. We should teach our children the good parts of our culture because our culture is rich. The Zulu culture is so rich. True. The Igbo culture is rich. And I'm happy because, for example, I don't know about other communities, but I'm sure it happens in other African immigrant communities. In the Nigerian immigrant community, we have the different uh, people, we have the Akwaibom cross people, we have the Igbo people, we have the Yoruba people from different tribes and like now they're all having their end-of-year parties Mm -hmm. and they go there, they all wear their Nigerian clothes. So it gives people a sense of identity.
1: So true.
0: So we shouldn't hide our culture in the cupboard thinking that there's something wrong with it. No, it's beautiful. It's rich. Just take out whatever is unpleasant or satanic or occultic about it and The culture is beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Celebrate your culture. In fact, I want to throw a challenge. Spend this Christmas. We're all on the internet now, hey? Yeah. Google your culture. Google the heroes of your culture. Google the things that defined your culture. Google it. Go back as far as as many years as you can. Google your culture and discuss it as a family. Make it a family project. Especially since... You might not be able to go many places, but at least you can Google something and find out why the Zulu culture is the way it is. What's the history of the Zulu culture? What's the history of the Pedi culture? What's the history of the Igbo culture? Understand it. Google (laughs) has the answers.
1: So true. That's a fantastic challenge that I think... I think I'm going to try and do that because I love finding out more about the Yoruba culture. Yeah. While you guys are out there busy thinking of ways you can challenge yourself to find out more about your culture just listen to made to stand by austin d and we'll be right on back after that song ends to say goodbye to you guys
0: you're listening to show me on radio k pulpit 729 am
1: so it is three minutes until 1 p.m and we are just about to say goodbye if you were expecting to hear Mbuyokazimatu, you are unfortunately just here with a different voice. But I had such a fun conversation. Yes. If you guys want to check it out, you can check it, us out on the Facebook page. We were live twice. You can just check out our Facebook page, which is 729, Cops Council, Radio Cape Pulpit. We would love for you guys to share it with anyone you'd like to. Do you have any last closing words, mom?
0: Well, like I said, I'd like to continue by throwing that challenge out. (laughs)
1: Yes,
0: (laughs) I'd like to challenge everyone listening to me, whatever culture you may come from. Google your culture, learn about your culture, teach your children about your culture. Teach them that they're children from a rich culture. Teach your children not to be ashamed of their culture. Zoe and I are going to be I'm going to be. we're going to be talking about Luckily, we read and we study and we explore things together. So, no more talking about the Kardashians, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be discovering Yoruba <laughs> heroes and warriors and female leaders and stuff like that. And we have a rich culture. Let's do that this Christmas. Let's pass on the heritage. Let's pass the baton to the next generation. Yes,
1: that's really exciting. I can't wait to do that. And I hope you guys do the same. We're just going to say goodbye for now, but we hope you enjoy the next show.
0: Yes, goodbye, everyone, and uh, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a prosperous 2022. God bless you and goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m please visit kpoopit.co.za.